0: When we are not planning the next Emirates Airline Festival of Literature, we're guessing who done it, debating the ultimate feel-good novel, or reading the stacks of books that line our office walls. Then we talk to some of our favourite authors about these books on the Boundless Book Club, a bi-weekly podcast from the Emirates Literature Foundation. Subscribe today wherever you are listening right now. You'll also find a link in the show notes. This session was recorded at the Emirates Airline Festival of Literature 2021 with a live audience. Assalamu alaikum. Hello and welcome to the 13th edition of the Emirates Airline Festival of Literature. Firstly a big thank you to our session sponsor Dubai Department of Tourism and Commerce Marketing. My name is Sally Musa, and it gives me enormous pleasure to welcome for the first time to the festival one of the greatest thought leaders of our time Amin Malouf is a world-renowned scholar, best-selling novelist, and veteran journalist. Born in Beirut, he studied economics and sociology before working as an international reporter for a Nahar until the Lebanese Civil War broke out in 1975. He then moved to Paris in 1976, where he became editor-in-chief for the newspaper Jean Afrique. He published his first book, The Crusades Through Arab Eyes in 1983, and in 1993, his fifth novel, The Rock of Tanios, won the Prix Goncourt, the most prestigious literary award in France. Malouf is a member of the Académie Française, and in 2010 was awarded the Prince of Asturias Award for Literature for his entire oeuvre. His work has been translated into 50 languages, and tonight, we are going to be discussing his latest book, Adrift, How Our World Lost Its Way. How did we come to a point where the forces that divide us are working faster and more intensely than the forces that unite us? There are few who are as well equipped to answer the biggest and most defining questions of our times as Amin Malouf. As a journalist, he has had a front row seat to many of the history-shaping events of the last half century. And as a scholar and a writer who embraces both a Western and Arab identity, Manuf brings a unique, multifaceted perspective where he surveys major global, political and historical developments with a fierce intelligence as well as a humanitarian earnestness that seeks to heal the destructive divisions that have overtaken our world today. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming Amin Ma'louf. Welcome. Thank you,
1: Sally. Thank you. Thank you, Sally. It's a pleasure to have this conversation with you.
0: It is a huge honor. Now, please do note, everybody, that there will be a question and answer session at the end. So, do have your questions ready and you will be directed to the microphone by Mr. Bilal Orfeli, who is there with you. Ustaz Amin, it is such a huge honor to have you at the festival this year. And you actually wrote this book, Adrift, just before the COVID 19 pandemic before the 2020 global financial crisis, and you have since added a postface addressing these new historic turning points. But having read the book, knowing that you read it before all of that, the book seems eerily prophetic. Were you surprised at all by the turn of events that defined 2020 and beyond?
1: Thank you, Sally. I I am really worried. I have been worried for the last few years about the the track we are going on. I think it is really a wrong track. I think humanity is uh, going the wrong way, although we could go in a totally different way. We could build we could build the bridges, but we're not building them. We could organize life between various components of humanity and we are not doing it properly. Uh, so I I was expecting something. My comparison was with the Titanic. We, the Titanic is on its course. Uh, we know the icebergs are here. We are going directly towards the icebergs. I didn't know which kind of icebergs, but probably that what happened this uh, pandemic and all its consequences it's a, a kind of iceberg we have hit and i hope i hope that uh, having hit it and having had to ma- make a pause maybe we could use this pause to reflect on today's situation
0: Uh, this is the most important thing that we can really take out of the situation currently right now, but I want to delve into your own personal story because you really do share that alongside the historical events uh, that you analyze in the book and and you detail your own family's history in the Levant And, and the Middle East is of course home to some of our oldest and greatest civilizations where east and west rubbed shoulders and there was this intimacy and exchange of cultures that you say we've lost over time where do you see some of the greatest cultural and interfaith exchanges having taken place and and why did this turn into a wasted opportunity
1: well that's certainly one of the main elements of my book I try to uh, uh, recall all the events that I have been following, because I'm uh, the son of a journalist, I uh, work as a journalist myself, as you said, and I've always followed world events, both our uh, region and the rest of the world eagerly for the last uh, at least 60 years now. And I uh, I always followed them with, with passion. Sometimes it, what one sees is saddening, sometimes extremely worrying, uh, frightening even. But it is also fascinating to watch the world being transformed. Uh, and I, I have been watching the events for all these years and uh, in this book I try to recall the events and also events from my own life and make sense of all that I knew a moment in history when I was young when things are were much different from what they are now uh, the quality of relations between human groups in the Levant was different. Uh, Of course, I talk mainly of Beirut, because I grew up in Beirut, and I think there was a a equality of relationship between people, of uh, mutual respect between various groups. eagerness to to know the culture of the other and uh, unfortunately because of the events in Lebanon and because of other other causes that are not directly linked to Lebanon, this quality of uh, uh, coexistence has diminished and I uh, also remember a time when, in the Arab world as a whole, there was a sense of hope. People were uh, proud of some of their leaders. They uh, were proud to see that they are playing a role on the world stage, that they were respected. Of course, I'm thinking of Nasser because he was uh, the towering figure when I was a young man. And I saw the growth of despair, discouragement, mm. and uh, th- th- that that is a, a very important element, not only in my life, in the life of the people around me, not only in the life of my home uh, of my uh, native country, Lebanon, and its area. It's, I think it affected the, uh, the mood in the whole world. I think there is a sense of uh, very uh, aggressive identities, of violence, of an incapacity to live together and respect the other, uh, uh, which has grown, unfortunately. In the last maybe 40 or 50 years,
0: you you talk uh, very much, you go back uh, and you look at the impact of British and European um, colonization on the Middle East in particular, you know, and this idea that the Arabs needed to reclaim their identity. And as you say, um, we saw, in fact, you know, not just a rejection of the Western colonizing forces, but Um, Some groups went too far becoming extremist, violent extremist groups and magnifying, as you say, divisions that weren't there before. So, you know, how did that need for reclaiming identity turn into the establishment of extremism, of violence groups like this? Mm,
1: It's not easy to answer in a few words to such Mm. a question because I think it is the main the main interrogation about this part of the world. I, as I, I hinted, uh, I I uh, looked up to to a figure like Nasser. He, he was a mm-hmm. very interesting personality. At the same time, when I compare Nasser to somebody like Mandela, I feel we missed something in this part of the world. Mandela fought against the apartheid system, which is a very vicious system even more vicious than colonialism I think and at one point he he uh, triumphed and the moment he triumphed he decided that we have to turn the page of fighting and uh, now open a new page in our history he even went to visit the widow of the man who sent him to prison where he stayed for 26 years and he told her, you must stay here this is a new phase in our history so there is a kind of of very generous, very noble attitude Mm. which we did not really have here when people were uh, defeated I'm thinking, for example, of the, of the foreign communities in Egypt. I think, although their behaviour was not uh, was not acceptable at some point, although their relationship with the British or with the royal family was not was not uh, uh, a, a sign of involvement in the life of the country. At the same time, they were assets for for the country, it was possible to build on their presence and transform them and include them in a a re- rebirth of the the nation and its economic development because they had connections to 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 the West and to centres of uh, of. Uh, 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 the economic uh, uh, order. So we, we did not do that in our history. And I think, well, this is also a very vast question. I think that the, the uh, nationalism of the type of Nazir was uh, influenced by the ideas of its time. I think Mandela's time is a different time. Nasser's time w- was a time when we thought that the uh, the Soviet system for example was a very proper system to build an an economy from scratch, scratch or or to organize political life and uh, many people in the Arab world including Nasser thought that you could govern a country with a one-party system, which obviously uh, was not possible. Uh, he he used uh, 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 recipes from the Soviet economy, which in the Soviet Union produced uh, disaster, and everywhere <laughs> where these recipes was were were uh, uh, employed were. They led to disaster. So, the, what was uh, in the mood of the time, in the spirit of the time, at, in the 1950s and 60s, uh, uh, produced a very, uh, very unfortunate situation in which there was no political development, no economic development and it led to to a uh, the disaster that uh, that we know and uh, which consequences are still with us
0: they absolutely are and identity is very much one of the defining themes of this book and i want to go back to, to one of your other books the seminal book on identity where you write what makes me myself rather than anyone else is the very fact that I am poised between two countries, two or three languages, and several cultural traditions. It is precisely this that defines my identity. Would I exist more authentically if I cut off a part of myself? And I I think therein lies one of the greatest problems that is actually still facing us today. You wrote this you know, more than 20 years ago, but we still have, you know, in the most globalised and hyper-connected world that we have ever lived in, we are still unable to see ourselves as embodying multiple identities in order to create a new global identity and awareness and, in turn, a wider human solidarity, as you write in Adrift, you know you still see families where parents have migrated from east to west only to impose the rigid cultural traditions of their home countries on their children for fear that they might abandon their heritage and you know rather than adopting a new cultural identity that is fluid that embraces different aspects of these cultures you know we're forced to choose depending on the situation depending on the contest Context: We are forced to choose, and sometimes you're punished for not being enough of one culture or another. I wonder. I mean, do you see this as a major issue still? And what kind of impact does this kind of thinking have?
1: Absolutely. I think this is one of the major issues of our times. Uh, globalization has brought us all together in like in a, a one forum one word forum where we, we are all uh, uh, assembled but being assembled did not make us closer to each other it made us look for what differentiate us from the person next to us so uh, we are this is a, the great paradox of our times we are more and more like each other we have the same uh, the same vision of the world we have the same instruments in our hands we we know the same things we we have the same uh, aspirations and at the same time we want to think that we are, very different. We are much closer to our neighbors than to our grandfather, yet we do not recognize the influence of our our neighbors, of our contemporaries, and we want to believe that our grandfather and our great-grandfather is more important in our life. So so I, I call it the, versus, the vertical versus the horizontal the real influence on, on every one of us is the horizontal version we, we are much closer to our contemporaries than we think yet we do not recognize this influence I think it is, it is very normal because, because we have been Brought together very quickly by the acceleration of uh, science and technology, and we have not yet assimilated it. We are still unable to cope with this uh, the rapidity of evolution. So we protect ourselves by saying, "Well, we're not so close. We're not so. Uh, we, we are still different from from each other." So. Uh, In a way, one can be confident that on the long run the main uh, uh, trend is a trend towards unifying the world, unifying uh, humankind which will eventually one day become a nation of very different people but having a sense of a common destiny, but in, on the short run, uh, the affirmation of specific identities is more and more aggressive, and it it will take time to accept the reality created by the new technology.
0: Mm. It's a reality that is created by new technology. And I think it's really important that we discuss social media and the impact that it has had on how we process the world today. Um, you know, it's interesting because um, there are those who say that social media has brought about new levels of awareness and connectivity and, you know, justice movements, social justice movements coming up. Um, and then, there are many of those voices who will say, including those who are responsible for creating social media itself, that these platforms only serve to, to narrow our worldview because of the way that they are designed, the algorithms that they run on simply feed us back more of what we put in, what we indicate we're interested in. So if we're interested in our own kind or we're interested in conspiracy theories, for example, as you know we are seeing right now Um, this kind of stuff that is going on in the United States and how that's kind of overtaken things. That's all we see. And, And then we essentially build our own echo chambers through this media that we consume. You know, it is changed in such a way that this is where we are. And, you know, one of the biggest issues is that once we live in these echo chambers, we can only see what we think is true because it doesn't matter you know, whether it is true or not, that's what you're going to get fed, right? Um, because that's how algorithms work. And then we have no basis of truth. We cannot agree on what's true because everything that I'm seeing is my worldview. This is what I think it's true. Whatever the other side might be seeing, that's what they think it's true, is true. And then we cannot agree on where we need to work together, where there is a problem? is climate change real? is the the covid um, virus real? you know th- what are the kind of how do we in an environment like this, come together and enable ourselves to work on the great challenges that are facing us all as a human race?
1: I think the tools that technology is giving us. They come with the technical user's book. They don't come with the ethical and social user's book. That book, we have to invent it. We have to write it. And it takes time. I, I think uh, we need to uh, integrate Social media and all the new tools in our democratic life. But this is not something that comes spontaneously. When I was a young man beginning to work in journalism, they were uh, important institutions. Uh, in Lebanon, we had the Nahar and others, you had uh, on the world stage, you had BBC, New York Times, Washington Post. Well, they—they they, they were a dozen, uh, a few dozens, very important news uh, institution that were everybody knew. And today, every citizen in the world has the possibility of reaching as many auditors or leaders, as any of those institutions that were the great world institutions. So this is a huge power for every one of us. And it, we would be uh, 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 exaggerately optimistic if we can imagine that every one of us will be able to use properly, pro, uh, properly this new, power that we have so it takes time but we will never disinvent social media so they we have we have to live with them and again we have to integrate them to our democratic life the uh, uh, the idea that every one of us can take part in the reflection and even decision taking Taking in, uh, once uh, uh, in every uh, community, in every country, this is something very important. But it will take time to find the way of articulating this. Of course, today we 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 have uh, people who who recreate uh, uh, tribes that are uh, lived. Uh, live together and think together and don't listen to what the others say, of course, but we have to uh, to tackle the problem and find a way of using this new uh, power we have to get together because for the first time in human history, we are together, we have a common Forum, we have the possibility of talking to, 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 to each other from uh, one continent to another. And I, I am fundamentally an, op- an optimist. I think that one day, one day, we will find the, the advantages of these tools, although, in the meantime, uh, there there will be all kinds of uh, discrepancies.
0: I love that you're an optimist, and that is very important here for the task at hand, which is so big. And it, it, it appears that we need to completely rethink the way, like you said, we need to rewrite that ethical handbook of how to approach ourselves and the world. And th- there are a couple of concepts that I want to put to you, because as you speak here in Dubai, um, I mean, you are speaking to an audience of more than 200 nationalities in Dubai and a multitude of faiths, you know, you yourself, you're from a Christian background, I am Muslim. And, you know, there is a verse from the Quran that I come back to over and over again, and I don't think it has been ever as relevant as as it is right now. يَا O oh, humankind, we have created you from a male and a female and made you into nations and tribes so that you may know one another. So I want to put this to you because, you know, like it seems like this knowing one another, it really is about taking the time to really understand each other's stories, to get curious, to understand, you know, where we come from. And and in that way, putting aside, you know, those preconceptions and, and realizing, as you said, that we're actually so much more similar than we are different and the things that do make us different, well, we could actually learn from each other some things that would enhance our lives. So, you know, I just wonder, is this a naive way of looking at things or is this the way that we need to look forward?
1: Sally, I totally agree with you. I think this is the way to, we need to think this way exactly. Uh, Sometimes we are irritated by what happens in social media, for example. And my my attitude is to say, this is a huge place. We cannot just close our eyes and close our ears and say, oh, cruel world. We need to look at what is happening, try to build something, try to to use these new, extraordinary tools, which allow us today, more than at any time in the past, to know each other. Here we can know each other directly, immediately. So we have to build to build new rules for democracy, new possibilities, new knowledge. We have, for the first time in history again, the possibility of uh getting all the knowledge of humankind without leaving our home without leaving our table everything is here we can we can uh, w- we have access to everything it's it's a, a marvelous moment in history of course there are problems of course it's not easy to manage. 8 billion people, with uh, every one of them wanting to, to, to shout his ideas and his beliefs and his resentment, and of course. But this is a marvelous challenge. We have to tackle this challenge. We have a world to build. We have a future to build. We cannot just just give up on it <laughs> and say, well, uh, there is no no, no solution. We have to find solutions. Mm. This is our, our task. That's why we are alive. We have to find solutions and build something for our children and grandchildren.
0: Absolutely. And, and to that, I want to ask you about the role of the arts and creativity in this, because the arts demand that we tap into our soul, our stories, our humanity. Um, you know, and, and it, it's a way that we can communicate even without language. As Andre Malraux said, art is the shortest path from one man to another and a bridge between nations. And, you know, very much great art speaks to those questions, the difficult questions of who we are and where we need to move forward to. But, you know, oftentimes the arts are. Downplayed as something superfluous, that it's a nice to have, but it's not essential in the world. Should the arts be playing a more central role in reversing this shift? I mean, no, I,
1: after the Second World War, uh, uh, there was a discussion, uh, especially in Britain, about uh, culture, and some people were saying. Well, now we have a country to rebuild Uh, We'll we'll deal with culture later on when we have some more serenity And Orwell intervened and said This is exactly the moment when we need culture Because we need direction We need to know what to build And it's even more true today what is the main problem of today's world? We have we have everything we need except that we don't know what to do about it. How we we could build the the best possible world? But we have the tools to build it. We have the means to build it. But we don't have the direction. We don't know what to build. We don't. We have a problem of orientation. I think this is the main, the the main difference between our times and previous times. In the past, when people had problems, they didn't have the necessary science to solve the problems. They didn't have the necessary uh, 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 wealth to invest and solve the problem. Today, we have everything. We just don't know. What to do. We we have a problem of defining our goals. And what helps us define our goals is culture. Culture will tell us what kind of society we want to build, what, what kind of human beings we want to have. And so I think at no moment in history, Art, and culture, and literature were more important than they are today at this juncture.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And I wonder if uh, we can start going to some of the questions from the audience. If uh, if there are questions from the audience, we can start going to those. Yes.
2: Thank you Sally, thank you uh, Amin, thank for you this Bilal. fascinating discussion, yeah. I really enjoyed it and I'm sure we will have a few questions from the audience.
3: Can I ask you a question? Of course. Sure. My
1: name is Ghada Dargham
3: from Dhur-Shwair. Hello. Mr Ameen is a of the statement. من بيروت لدوباي دايماً كان امره على فرجن بشعبامل داعيات واخد كتاب من كتبك وأول رواية ريتا صخر الثانيوز كنت بعدني من المدرسة وحضرت مسرحية بمسرح المدينة عندي سؤالين سريعين أول سؤال بالنسبة لغرق الحضارات يعني جامع في كل قراءاتك كل ثقافتك كل يعني حاطت فيه كثير من للموجود يعني كأنه حسيت كل اللي موجود بدماغ أمينة معروف موجود بهالكتاب فهل هذا الكتاب هو مثل تمثال مايكل أنجلو اللي ما صدق إنه هو رخام أو مثل تمثال جالاتيا بالنسبة لبيج باليون أو في بعد هذا أول سؤال السؤال الثاني على السريع حضرتك يعني العنوان بس رأى غرق الحضارات بنحس أول شيء بيأس بتشاؤم بس بس همنقرأ حتى منحس إنه عم تقلنا من الهزيمة نقدر نخلق فرص هلأ بتعتقد إنه بجيناتنا في حضارتنا وحضارة أجدادنا اللي حكيت عنهن هلأ وهالجينات هيد إذا وسقنا فيها نقدر نبني حضارة قوية من جديد وشكراً لك
0: شكراً لك I think um, okay. we just—I'm just, just going to um, put that question this, yeah. out there in English, just very quickly. Just um, uh, to say, you know, about the book *Adrift*, um, uh, our audience member is, is saying it feels like you have put everything that you have um, into this book. Is this, you know, um, the the ultimate book that that encapsulates all of your thoughts? Um, and and she asked about the way that *Adrift*. Um, there's a feeling of despair in the title, however you're saying that we can come out of it. So, uh, your thoughts on that, Mr. Amin?
1: Uh, I, I try to put all my my feelings and my thoughts about the, the present times in this book, that's true. And uh, uh, I, I don't think it's a book of despair. I think a, a writer has two obligations. One is obligation of lucidity. We, has, we have to see the world as it is. We have to see the problems as they are. We, uh, we should not tell our readers, our contemporaries, everything is okay. You can sleep quietly and all problems will be solved. No, the problems are not going to be solved. We are going through very difficult times. And what has happened in the last uh, 12 months, I think, is a, an illustration or, of how difficult things might become. The other obligation is an obligation of no despair. We have A writer has to look for solutions. Never uh, despair is never a solution. Discouragement is never a solution. It is a point from which one has to uh, uh, begin thinking, rethinking, uh, rebounding, uh, and this is my attitude. I, I think. Uh, the the world is going through a very difficult moment, but precisely because it's a difficult moment, we have to uh, look for uh, ways to get out of this predicament. Uh, Maybe this moment of pause that we were offered by, (laughs) by the virus, this moment where the whole of humankind Is posing and reflecting on its problems. All of us, all of us uh, in all countries, people are looking around them and trying to understand what's happening. I think it's a very good start to uh, to look to the future and try to ask ourselves what kind of future should we have, how will we build our future, how will we be living uh, together? And uh, another aspect of of the question, uh, in in two words, I think uh, people from this part of the world, where you were born, where I was born, should be confident. I think they, they are Uh, going through a moment in history where they have lost confidence in themselves, I think they should regain confidence because because they are uh, sons and daughters of great, great civilizations because they are open to the world and whenever they are in a society that allows them to uh, to invent and produce, they are always among the best. So they have to be confident and never despair.
2: Thank you. We have another question.
4: مرحبا أنا غباش في الطب النفسي وعضو مجلس مهرجان الإمارات لدي إذا كنا جميعا نؤمن أن الثقافة وتنوعها مظلة للعيش المشترك لماذا لا يتبنى هذا السياسي والنقطة الثانية إن نحن الحين نتعمق في ما يحدث الآن في أمريكا ليست المسألة فقط صراع سياسي بقدر ما هو صراع عقائدي بينهم هم كمسيحيين حتى أدري إذا كان هذا الاستنتاج صحيح ام لا اما السؤال الذي اوجهه عبقري مثل امين كيف يتعامل مع الزمن كيف يتعامل مع العمر انسان لديه الكثير ليقدمه ويجد الزمن يتسارع شكرا والله يعطيك Thank
0: you so much uh, Dr. Rafia so many questions there brilliant questions um so let's kind of uh, try and get through them uh, quickly because we are fast running out of time. Um, she did uh, touch on the fact that you know you speak of culture and the importance of of the culture and humanity through culture, and why is this not coming up in political leadership? And um, she pointed in the direction of the United States as well. And um, you know it's very interesting because you do talk about this in your book and and. People think you know what's going on right now, maybe started with Donald Trump um, in 2016, but actually it has um, you know roots back in the 1970s. It's very deep and it's incredible. You know, the, you talk about the distrust of both local and international governments and authority, the idea of always acting in your own self-interest, you know, and the extension of that, which is entitlement. And these are ideas that have been coming up for quite some time, we're seeing the ultimate conclusion of them in places like the United States. We just had the insurrection less than a month ago, we saw that, um, and it's kind of like the ultimate um, of all of these ideas coming together. So, you know, to Dr. Ophiaz's question, um, you know, why are we not seeing you know, these ideas of bringing humanity, of, of living together, serving others, why is that not translating on a polit- political level?
1: Really, very pertinent questions. Thank you. I'll try to answer uh, without taking too too much time, since we don't have much time. For the first question, I think uh, it is obvious that uh, we we need uh, to organise coexistence between uh, people who have different uh, backgrounds and. I think that many politicians know it, but one should not assume that every politician has the interests of his nation uh, at heart. I think uh, there are politicians who try to use these differences and uh, to to build a political political audience. Uh, There are so many people who, who try to dwell on these divisions. So uh, I I hope that there are, and of course there are people who are real statesmen who, who try to 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 see how to organize relations between uh, different people, but this is not the attitude of everybody, unfortunately. Uh, as for the United States, I think we have uh, uh, watched uh, for strange years in the history of the United States, and I, I have the feeling that the, the strangeness of this uh, administration, the, the past administration, has uh, maybe uh, hid, has hidden. Some of the realities that are there, that were there before this administration, and will continue. Of course, there is a problem in the United States in the relation, the racial relations. I I have never understood how things were uh, uh, left to deteriorate and uh, and sour to that extent. For a great nation, I think there, there were uh, shortcomings in all the policies uh, uh, in the United States under all administrations, and we should never have arrived to a situation of of uh, of that kind, of to so much disunity, so much, uh, and uh, there are also. Problems linked to the role of the United States in the world. I think 30 years ago, at the end of the uh, Cold War, the United States appeared to be the sole superpower, and I think, to be honest, they were not able to assume this this role, and they they failed in that role. Uh, and today, today there is obviously a. a a confrontation between a rising power, which is China, and the sitting power, the United States. And this will be probably a very, very long struggle that will occupy uh, a number of years and decades to come. Mm. Uh, As for my my age, I think the, the way I deal with age is to think about my grandchildren. I think of course we, we we won't be here forever. I know I know I'm almost seventy two now, but uh, I think one doesn't have to 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 think about one's own age. Uh, uh, what is important is to uh, to see the world as it is today. To try to contribute, uh, to understand the world and have a few ideas, but the those who will be building the the future are those who are coming after us. And I always, always have in mind my grandchildren, and your generation.
2: Thank you. I mean, Sally, I have three questions from the floor at least. So let us take. Let us take I them think, yeah. and then answer them together <laughs> because the ladies have been standing for a long time. We'll, well start with the first <laughs> question.
0: Let's go. Let's go. I think yes. We're very much running out of time, but yeah. yeah let's we'll take the three
2: questions very quickly and then they'll answer them uh, collectively.
5: I have uh, two questions and I will try to uh, speak in English since I am French-educated. Like this, will not uh, lose our uh, time for others. So uh, I'm sorry for my English. Uh, in your book, uh, this essay, you are trying uh, to provide us a warning, signal for the future. Uh, I'm not talking uh, politics, but humanity. You don't think that after the failure, Pan-Arab dream, failure of USA, you are talking now, Europe, Africa, etc. You don't think that the UAE is an example of this future humanity, since the dream of one nation of late Sheikh Zayed until now, uh, with the year of tolerance uh, and equality, the visit of the Pope and Sheikh Al Azhar, with all this fraternity here. You don't think that there is a role AE play uh, like a solution of uh, this uh, future? And my second question, uh, I found here that all your books are sold in English and Arabic, translated to English and Arabic, but you write them in French. Is there any hope that francophony will have a role in UAE one day and see your books on the shelves in French, like you write them. Thank you. Thank you. We'll
0: take the second question. Yes, very quickly,
3: please. We have very, very much yeah, over very time. Quickly. Yes. 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 Yeah. Very quickly. I a from my, I want to you, I for the in Arabic, but in our and Lebanon, am a people that to English or French and I go to Lebanon <laughs> that's it? Are they yeah, that's the it? Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, there is one
2: more question. There is one more question and oh yeah. one more? three more very questions. I'm okay. really sorry, Sally. Okay. But very I, think, quickly. I think we, we have to
0: take this last one. We have to make this this mm-hmm. last one. We're mm-hmm. very much over time. That's it. Uh, بحكي بالعربي
6: عينوها بتسبيك إنجلش بس بحب أحكي بالعربي بقدر ما أقرأة كتب مع أمين معلوف بتعطي إجابات على أسئلة بقدر ما بثير تساؤلات أكبر من الإجابات وهذا الشيء أنا كتير بحبه في كتبه جت تعليق على ال horizontal vertical مع ارتباط العمودي مع جذورنا، بعتقد إنها المشكلة مش كيف إحنا ننصهر أكثر هو بالأفقياً زي ما عم تقول مع النيبرز كيف نحافظ على الجذور أور فيرتيكل هويته الإنسان ما بيقدر ينساها مش هوية واحدة زي زي ما قلت قبل إحنا ننتمي لعدة هويات هي كيف يقدر الواحد يحافظ على هاي الهويات وتكون كل هوية منهم هي وسيلة تواصل مع إنسان بشاركني هذه الهوية. Muskily بعتقد إنه فروقنا زادت لأنه إحدى no بحس الإنسان إنها in Hamuadi. it takes over to بنصير خايفين وبدنا ندافع عنها. فبعتقد... Yeah, there, um,
0: because,
6: we need, just, i know. So, uh, just so, one yep, comment so, that fairness, no. إذا حققناها وحافظنا الهويات راح تستمر كومنت صغير على الكتاب في كانت فخرة بتقول فيها عن لبنان وليش ما زالت التفرق الطائفية أو الدينية وأنها مش موجودة في البلاد العربية وقلت معها إيران وتركيا وإسرائيل رغم إنه إسرائيل خارج المنظومه لأنها أصلا قائمة على إلغاء قومية ودين وما زال قائمة Sally, I have a solution for the other questions
2: because we really don't have time. But (laughs) I'll take the questions from you, and uh, Amin has a panel tomorrow, and I'll make sure to actually ask them
0: tomorrow. Yes, I think that is a great idea. Yes, Yes, Bilal is going to be um, moderating a special Mm -hmm. panel with Amin tomorrow. Amin Malouf, what an enormous, enormous honor it is to have you with us at the Emirates Airline Festival of Literature. And just thank you, so. We could talk to you for hours with your incredible insights. Everybody has to get hit the books adrift. This is going to be at the bookstore. It is pre-signed. You must get it. You must read it. This is absolutely a must read for everybody. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Sally. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so Beautiful much for me. And thank you to all, to all you. our audience, thank you. Thank
0: you, thank you to the incredible audience, the fantastic questions that have come through, uh, the audiovisual team, everybody who has been part of this, our title sponsor, Emirates Airline, our founding partner, Dubai Culture, the session sponsor, of course, Dubai Department of Tourism and Commerce Marketing, and the festival's parent organization that makes all of this happen, the Emirates Literature Foundation. Thank you all so much. And don't forget, there again. is so much more to come from the Emirates Airline Festival of Literature. Thank you, Amir. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Sally.